Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen Podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career, and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences, and legacies of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's collection to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself from the archives. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions, so this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. Welcome to the second episode of the Ray Harryhausen podcast. My name is Connor Heaney and I'm joined once more by John Walsh. How are you doing, Hello. John? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Connor? Great. It's good to speak to you again. Today, we thought we would discuss some of Ray Harryhausen's inspirations, his work in stop motion animation and the legacy that this has left on cinema. Great. And I think we're just about to hear a clip, aren't we, of Ray's inspiration? The simple process of walking into a cinema one day changed my life completely. I grew fascinated with the fact that you could put on the screen uh, inanimate objects uh, such as uh, stop-motion dinosaurs and give the illusion that they are alive. And that has always fascinated me, the, uh, the art of movement, the art of, of uh, uh, bringing things to life. So, really, King Kong had this remarkable effect on Ray. It just seems like Ray was the right person at the right place and the right time to make these fantastic adventure and fantasy films throughout the following decades. After working with Willis O'Brien, he developed the animation technique known as Dynamation. John, what effect do you think that had on cinema goers in the 50s and 60s onwards? Well, interestingly, if you just go back to King Kong, that was 1933, so it's right in the, the white heat of the Great the Great Depression, and there weren't many films being made by Hollywood, so King Kong was an example of a film that would be shown on a regular basis to people. And it is interesting that a film about a, a monster that ends quite sadly um, was actually a big fan with audiences who were, who were themselves living through the Great Depression. Uh, and, and I think being a child of the Great Depression had some influence on Ray keeping things the way he did. And we talked in the last episode about hoarding things. I think as we move forward to Ray's own work in the 40s and 50s and the dynamation process, as he labelled it, um, it was incredibly influential. But nobody really knew. There was no internet. There was no Twitter, of course, and any kind of social interaction. There were just quite formulaic film magazines and very small articles in newspapers all of which was tightly controlled by the studios. So the opportunity for people to say, nah, I don't like that, or wow, this is fantastic, all of these stories only came to light after Ray had retired. So Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Jim Cameron, Tim Burson, Peter Jackson, John Landis, all of these well-known names of cinema have come forward to discuss Ray's work. And Ray is always surprised and quite humbled by the length and breadth and magnitude of filmmakers who say, you know, it was that film that got me into it. When Ray picked up his Oscar, his Academy Award, his special Oscar, um, there about 15 years ago, when Tom Hanks gave it to him at the ceremony, he said, watching Jason and the Argonauts inspired me to become an actor. So there's somebody else who was touched that even surprised me, that Tom Hanks, the actor, has been inspired by Ray's work. So I think when you work in isolation the way you do, 
it's always gratifying to know that your films do have a life beyond the initial couple of months that they're in theatres. That, that's great. And uh, just speaking of the uh, Jason and the Argonauts scene, I know that Tom Hanks has spoken at length about how much the skeleton sequence influenced him. We've got a clip of Ray here discussing some of the logistics of filming that sequence. Well, that took about four months to put actually put it together, mm-hmm. but it only took two weeks to do the uh, actual sword fight with uh, uh, actors right. miming uh, their movements. When an actor's sword went up, there would be a pause for it to yeah. clank mm. for the sound department. The final piece of film that I would use was uh, the actor's more or less shadow boxing. So that was the famous, probably one of the most famous uh, sequences in any of Ray's films, which is the Children of the Hydra at the end of Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, Children of the Hydra's Teeth, to correct Hydra's you there. Teeth. Being... Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. You, you, you definitely are the expert. Uh, I got that one wrong. I'll be, I'll be getting slated by the fan base. But it's very interesting that Tom Hanks was in, so inspired by that film. I mean, I know that Tom Hanks has worked on quite a lot of famous uh, Pixar films, but you wouldn't really directly attribute Ray Harryhausen's work to his subsequent career. What do you think it is about Ray's legacy that appealed to such a wide base of that generation of fans? Well, I think it was the same when I went to the cinema to see Ray's work. I've never been an animator as such. I did small things on Super 8, but I'm known as a a filmmaker of documentaries and sort of drama. Um, But I think the excitement that his work generated was a type of excitement that no other films or filmmakers could generate. When I was going to the cinema in the 70s, there was lots of fantastic Walt Disney films, which were great if you like cats and dogs singing and playing the piano, which you know has a certain, certain quality and charm about it. But myself and my brother liked to see people getting in there with sword fighting, with um, you know fighting monsters, and seeing a, a very credible image of a confrontation with otherworldly creatures. There was nobody else doing it. There was no near rival. So I think for people like Tom Hanks, when they saw it, it probably took his breath away. When people talk about the opening sequence to Star Wars and the big spaceship coming across the screen, similarly, people said, oh, my breath was taken away by that shot. So at certain points in people's lives, when they're perhaps most susceptible to big-scale, um, phenomenal cinema experiences, then these moments, whether it's the um, the monolith in Kubrick's 2001 or the, the mega Star Destroyer in Star Wars, Ray was capturing people with his films and with his sequences. And as you say, the skeleton sequence in Jason, it's iconic. It's in the uh, American film critics' top 100 films you must see. It's recently been upgraded by the Radio Times to a four-star review. So his, his work, which was considered to be children's films are now considered to be significant parts of of uh, film and cinema history yeah a genuine and undisputed classic now um personally i think there's something about ray's character and personality that are quite inspiring as well i know that you mentioned that during his early films there was a lot of smoke and mirrors and people really wondered how this wizard was putting these fantastic special effects together but I'd also, I'd also argue that there's um, something about Ray's single-minded focus and dedication that really must have been very inspiring to later filmmakers. Somebody who, as you said, had their, their childhood shaped by the Great Depression and then went on to serve in the military during World War II. Um, he had this fantastic combination of imagination and work ethic and dedication to quality. 
and it just invokes a feeling that anything is truly possible if you put your mind to it. That must have had a, a lasting legacy to anyone that worked with them. I think so, yes. And when we've we've spoken to him about his filmmaking and the, the technical crew that worked with him, they genuinely loved him. You know, they didn't see it as just a job. You know, working on the Ray Harryhausen film was something special. Ray was an innovator. Every film he did had something else, something special. So when we moved the, as it were, the animation time frame forward from his first black and white films with The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which then inspired... Uh, Toho Studios to make Godzilla, Man in a Suit, Naughty Naughty. Um, when, when you track that timeline right the way through to Clash of the Titans at the end, the techniques have changed, the camera's not always locked off, there's movement in the camera, it's much more complex. You know, Ray didn't sort of find one trick and stick with it then for 30 or 40 years. He was constantly developing things to the extent that he would cut his own perforations in his 35mm film stock Kodak developed different speeds of film for him so he could use those through rear projection. So he very much was an innovator of technology. Um, he's the equivalent of, of, of Jim Cameron, I suppose, today, in that uh, Jim Cameron works with technology to try and create and recreate environments. Ray was doing that in the, in the most difficult environments, the photochemical environment, where everything depended on seeing your rushes the next day. There was no video assist. You couldn't see what you'd done that afternoon. These recordings we're doing now, we can have them monitored, we can play them back, we can change them. If you had to wait till the next day for things to be developed and looked at, it's, 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 quite, a, um, it's quite a faith you have to have in your own experience. That's the, the levels of patience and concentration that must have been involved are incredible, especially, as you said, if, if someone interrupted him with a phone call or a cup of coffee that could be a whole day's work ruined so he really had to be incredibly focused and patient. There's a piece of art in the collection uh, painted by an artist named Gandhi in 1819 named Jupiter Pluvius and anybody that's seen Clash of Titans will recognise the scene depicted in this painting. It's an ancient city with a colossus sized uh, seated stone statue of Jupiter and I've got a quote from Ray here uh, from from the book The Art of Ray Harryhausen Um, And Ray said, this painting is one of my most prized possessions and has been a huge inspiration to me throughout my career, teaching me to think big and give my inspiration free reign. And I know that Ray had this huge painting up in his home. Did you ever see that, John, when you went to visit him? I did. It was there from when I visited him in the late 80s to when I kept in touch and we recorded the commentaries in that room. It's the television room where Ray had his telly and his laser disc player. And it was enormous. It dominated an entire wall. And when you look at it, it looks like a glass painting, um, the old Hollywood style of glass paintings. And it certainly influenced the Olympus sequences for Jason and the Argonauts and for Clash of the Titans. And, you know, Joseph Gandhi's work, Gustave Doré's work, all of the fine artists of the the, uh, the 20th century and and before influenced Ray's work. You know, he, he himself is a fine artist. You know, if you were to look at some of the publications we've had out in recent years, such as, you say, the art of Ray Harryhausen, you can see some of the incredible finished artworks, charcoals, uh, painted artworks he's done. To have just that skill would be enough for some people, but to then have the animation and sculpting skills he had really is a sort of an embarrassment of riches, I guess. No, as as such an incredibly talented person with such a fantastic imagination. As I said, it's just the best 
combination. And I just love the idea of Ray having this painting sitting in his TV room, inspiring him in the same way that his films inspire us now. And that's the the quote I liked about thinking big and giving your inspiration free reign. I think that's what Ray taught a lot of later generations. And that leads all the way through to, to today. Ever since I've joined the foundation, I've been astounded by not just the passionate nature of the fan base, but how knowledgeable they are. And every time one of Ray's films is on TV, we get floods of messages from parents showing showing these classic films to their children for the first time. And children are as captivated now as they were in the 1950s by all of Ray's films. Jason and the Argonauts was on at Christmas, and I got a message from from a father who said his young daughter had watched it and then spent the rest of the day with the iPad with a stop-motion animation app filming her dolls, creating her own little sequence. And these these children don't know that these films are 50 years old or more. It still looks as incredible and inspiring to them as it does to us. Well, I guess, in a sense, if you've grown up with digital computer graphics, then Ray's films, which are a different generation, um, they are something different, they're something new. And when we had a screening of Clash of the Titans at the, the British Film Institute in London about two years ago, it was part of their Sunday fun day where they ask families to come with their children to watch classic film. I was quite anxious because I was there. We had a print from 1981, so it wasn't in the best of conditions. And I was anxious that, you know, today's modern children would start sort of fidgeting in their seats and, and perhaps wouldn't be as, as, as interested in seeing the film or following the story. The film starts, the lights go down first, of course, the film starts. And from the very first sequence, um, the children were captivated. And you could hear the gasps when the, the various monsters came along and the Kraken destroyed Argos and, and Bubo the Owl was loved by the children. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised that um, they really embraced the film and really enjoyed the stories. As we've discussed CGI and so forth, led to a decline in popularity of stop motion but ironically now because of the power of smartphones and other devices you've really got the freedom to create your own films without a lot of the technical difficulties that Ray faced so a child with a smartphone can create their own films people on YouTube can create their own content there's obviously certain aspects of Ray's career that will never be replicated but you feel really feel like his legacy lives on through the, the spirit of... Um, creation and imagination that stop motion allows it does you know and as much as we're talking about the past and it's you know his, his incredible career is behind us and it is in the past we have some interesting things coming up don't we we have something called Harryhausen 100 Connor tell us about that Yes, well, to be more accurate, hashtag Harryhausen100, which just shows you how, how, tw- how 21st century we, we are. Um, we have a lot of big ideas. We're going to be celebrating Ray's centenary in 2020. Uh, June the 29th, 2020 would, would have represented Ray's 100th birthday, and we really think that's a date worth celebrating. So for the next four years, we're going to be attempting to put on special exhibitions and events every, every year on that date. Um, as well as this podcast, which is part of Harryhausen 100, we're also going to be launching a competition. And the competition is to design a logo for Harryhausen 100, which will be used on our social media exhibition and events over the coming years. So we will be announcing this over social media in the, in the weeks to come. But John, are, are you excited to, um, to see what, how, how creative the fan base can be in helping us to make a logo for this? I am. You know, it's, it's something that... 
you know, fine artists follow Ray's work because they're inspired by his his sketches, his drawings, and his final art pieces and sculptures. Um, so we we've had lots of people who've grown up with Ray's work and who sent work uh, Ray their work in the past. We have sculptors who've been in touch with Ray who sent them works, and in fact, a young man in the I think it was the early seventies sent Ray a mask of the Cyclops from the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. And Ray was so impressed with this mask, he's kept it. It is part of the Foundation's official collection. It now has a little label on the bottom of it, and it says Cyclops from Seventh Voyage of Sinbad by Rick Baker. And for anyone who knows film Hollywood makeup special effects, Rick Baker has won, I think I'm right in saying, seven Oscars, created so many memorable uh, creatures and monsters from American Werewolf in London uh, through to one of the King Kong films. He's he's just one of the most iconic people working in Hollywood. He was inspired as a young man, sent Ray one of his early sculptures. Ray wrote back and, you know, it always helps to feel you have that link with somebody who's working in the industry. So we hope that we can inspire people of all ages to be part of this and to send us their designs. It's got to be something that would work good as a thumbnail as well as a lesser head so it's thinking of all those sort of corporate sides to it but we want people to be creative you know we can't give too much guidance on this but we will say we're not looking for new creatures we're looking for something either a creature or some creatures from the family of Harryhausen creatures Ray can be in there as well of course um, so it's whatever people want to do and we're excited you know as you say we have various plans with exhibitions and competitions and this year we're tying up with the hammer society because one million years bc the classic raquel welsh monster dinosaur fest is 50 years old this year who'd have thunk it it definitely doesn't show its age i obviously watched it again a couple of times recently you would never think that was a 50 year old film it's so iconic um i know it was one of the most popular Hammer films. When I when I say to people what I do for a living and that we're, we're hoping to celebrate the 50th anniversary of One Million Years BC, their jaw drops. They can't believe that's how old it is. And this is part of uh, the Harryhausen 100 initiative. Uh, we'll be announcing exhibitions and events. We'll keep you all up to date, both on social media and through this podcast. Once more, I'd like to say that we want the fans to engage with us. If you've enjoyed what we've spoken about in these last two episodes, then please, we're happy to take on suggestions for future topics. We're actually going to be running a competition throughout the, the run of these podcasts to, to let the fans um, demand what they'd like to hear. If there's an aspect of Ray's career or Ray's creations that you'd like to hear more about, please get in touch via Facebook or Twitter and just let us know what, what is it about Ray Harryhausen that inspired you? That's great. And I think we can play out with a final clip um, in this podcast from the, the great man himself, where Ray is discussing one million years BC. Here's an example. Here's the Ceratosaurus that was used in one million BC. And the, the, uh, these two had a fight yeah. in the Triceratop. And then uh, the pterodactyl, of course, picked up Raquel Welch. Well, that's great. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We'd love to hear from you, the fans. So if you'd like to send us some requests through Facebook and Twitter, you can find the links on rayharryhausen.com. If we choose you as suggestion of the month, you get a very special prize, which is the limited edition Ray Harryhausen Life in Pictures book, which was published by the Foundation as limited quantities. So good luck, and we'll speak to you next month.
Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2016. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Facebook and Twitter links.